Welcome back to Money O2. This week, we are joined by Julio Veglio. Julio is a multi-location school owner, and he talks about his journey in a really honest and raw way. He talks about how he moved from the United States from Italy, and at the time, he couldn't speak English. And so a vehicle for him to become an entrepreneur was the craft of hairdressing. And he talks about how he used that to ultimately become what he is today, which is now a multi-location school owner. At one time, he had 15. Now he is at eight. And he gets really raw and really open in this episode. He talks about how he had a very expensive drug habit, and he talks specifics about that drug habit. He talks about how he actually went into a coma and some of the challenges that that overcame and really just talks about uh, overcoming and really never giving up and overcoming obstacles. And so wherever you're at in your journey, this is a really great episode because Julio has seen a lot of things. He's done a lot of things and he is real honest about it. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Julio. Thanks for listening. In my early 20s and 21, I started to make some money that I never made. And I didn't know how to treat that money. Didn't know where to put it, didn't know what to do with it, but I knew I could spend it. I didn't know I didn't know. Um, so I just did it, you know? And that was the one thing good about not knowing is you would take chances and just do. But not knowing also can put me or put us in a spot where we can lose it just as fast as we got it. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I tripped a lot. I failed a lot. But, you know, I used to get right back up and try to hurry up and, and fix. Uh, where now when I trip, I sit down, I think about how I tripped, how I felt, what I did, and how not to repeat it. That's the key to what failure brings you, tripping or falling. So sit down there for a while and say, what tripped me up? And how am I going to reapproach it? So I don't trip again. So Julio, I'm so excited to be back with you and to have you on the Money O2 podcast. Thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it was so fun chatting with you. We had a 90 minute conversation. So for everyone listening, make sure you go over to Julio's, the Julio show. <laughs> very, very easy name to remember the Julio show. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. with a G I U. Some people yeah. always look for J. And, and, yeah. So yeah. make sure you go check that out. But Julio is quite the business owner. You've got seven schools right now, beauty schools under the Paul Mitchell umbrella. Is that correct? Eight. Yes. Eight. Okay. Eight schools. Mm. <laughs> and so about how many team members do you have right now, Julio? Probably about close to three, 350. Okay. So 350 team members eight individual locations. Do you have any other businesses that you're involved in? Well, I, I do the authoring and the speaker and Maxwell uh, ah. executive program. So Got yeah, it. I'm involved with quite a bit. I'm involved with the sheriff's department. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. So there's quite a bit of things. Uh, I need some rest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but I guess I won't rest till I die. So yeah. <laughs> well, we were chatting in DC um, at an event where we were doing some lobbying to really educate policymakers on the reality of a career in beauty and wellness. And as you and I were chatting, you shared really your journey getting into our industry, which is the beauty and wellness sector. 
So I'd love for you just to share your background and, you know, where you came from, because I know, you know, your journey, especially in business relates to some major financial ups and downs and, and learning. So let's kind of start from the beginning. Tell me about when you moved here from Italy. Well, I was, I was young, you know, I was almost five years old. So when I moved here, um, I had the summer to kind of look around and say, what are y'all saying? I have no, under no understanding, no idea of the culture I was in because I was used to a different culture and settings and language. So, you know, I started school quite difficult um, because I didn't understand. I had no, uh, and that was pretty much of the school journey from kindergarten all the way through high school. Matter of fact, I graduated uh, not knowing how to read or write. Now, later on, I discovered I had dyslexia, ADHD, phonics problems. Uh, they put so many labels on me, but those were uh, what I discovered later on to be gifts, not learning disabilities. So yeah, it was quite the challenge because I was bullied, I was laughed at, I was called names, I was called stupid. The, you know, the words I did learn early on in the language was you're stupid, you're dumb, uh, you will not contribute to society, uh, you'll probably up in, end up in jail and once, but <laughs> that's who I was, not who I am. But, you know, you, you start to believe what people tell you. Your self-esteem is low, you're, you're just not highly thinking of yourself uh, because you just believe all the voices that are in your head. Um, so when I graduated high school, my mom was like, you know, college, you're going to college like your brother. And I'm like, oh, yes, I am. No, I'm not. So I went one day to community college and that was good enough for me. Um, the rest of the time I majored in game room and hung out at the local pubs and went to the mixers. And before the semester was over, I dropped because I, for the first time I could get an I instead of an F, an incomplete. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, I'll take the I. That's the first F I won't get. So, but my mother was like, Okay, I couldn't even get into service. Actually, I, even after college, I tried to get into the military, but I couldn't pass their test because I couldn't read or write. Um, so my mother says, you, you have a gift. I know you do. So you're going to try the beauty industry. And I was just like, uh, uh, you know, I never touched a roller. I never touched anybody's hair. I don't, you know. But when I did the tour, there was a lot of beauty in that school. So that was a motivation to go. But at that point, I realized that I did have a gift. See, where some people uh, lack certain abilities, they enhance their other abilities. I couldn't read or write, but I could see, I could mimic, I could understand uh, what they were doing. Uh, I still had a lot to learn, but hairdressing, there, there was something magical about it. it. It, As much as I didn't want it, uh, but I did it, I found out I did have a gift. And it wasn't that I was stupid. It wasn't that I wasn't smart. I just had to learn how I was smart. There's a difference. It's not how smart you are. It's how you are smart. So once I, I learned how I was smart and I really wanted this, I dedicated my life to it. I had a commitment. I had a purpose. And I really wanted to learn it. And hair was the stepping stone to the success I have today. And by really wanting it and stepping out and finding out what it is that I needed to do to learn and understand, and it wasn't easy, you know, I still am learning, still trying to understand, still trying to speak English properly. Um, but it, it was something that 
the, once again, I was dedicated to, I had a purpose and, and it didn't come easy. It came with a lot of failures and people say, oh my God, you know, all those failures. I said, yeah, they were such gifts because my greatest success comes from my greatest failure. As long as you learn from them and you can build upon them. So uh, I just got involved with, you know, hanging out with mentors, great influencers, because, you know, who you can hang with surely can build you or destroy you. And I've learned that the hard way too, as we talked about with, you know, drinking addiction, going out, uh, you know, doing things to make me self-empowered, you know, self-assured, being wanted to be loved. Uh, I did stupid things, but uh, it resulted into, you know, stupid, <laughs> you know, uh, results. So anyway, you know, in going and hanging out with these mentors and, and using a charge card, because I didn't have money, uh, you know, people like, well, you must be successful because you were born with a silver spoon. No, I was born with a shovel in my hand. I had to work hard, um, but I worked really hard at working with the mentors. I asked the stupidest questions in other people's eyes, but to me, they were important. And no question to me was stupid. If you don't ask why, you'll never know. So even the simplest questions, I want to learn a terminology, why, this and that. And, and when I learned it, I made it a point, a mission of mine to share it with so many others. Because the more I gave it away, the more I learned. And there's no saying you can't keep it till you give it away. So that was my purpose from there on in is I'm going to give to others who are just like me, who think they can uh, who think they're failures, who think they have no purpose to build up and let them and let them see that their dreams can become realities, no matter where you come from, what money you have, what money you don't have, but the, the ability to do. So I was one of those kids who didn't take no for a final answer. Not only met no on dating, Aaron, <laughs> I learned that one quickly too, but you know, no just meant not now. He has a better plan for me. God has a better purpose for me. So he's telling me no right now because there's something more powerful for me. And I'm not ready yet. So when I am, it'll be given. Um, so I, I thank the beauty industry for giving me that stepping stone and the people I got involved with and the mentors for taking me under their wings because without that, I wouldn't be where I am today. And, and, and a lot of people say, hey, you know, I'm self-made. I'm a self-made billionaire. It's like, no, you're not. Somebody helped you along the way, physically, mentally, financially. Nobody's self-made. It takes a team. It takes people. It takes mentors. It takes support. No one does it alone. Even if your support, your only support maybe was your faith, but it took something. So, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, it sounds like you also were really you could have absolutely gone a different way given, you know, the bullying and the, um, that's really hard for a, for a young kid. Right. So who helped you make sure that you channeled that energy into something productive. And it sounds like in many cases, it sounds like the, the trade was kind of a savior for you too, because it really channeled your energy and focus to really find a deeper purpose, which ultimately you've been able to build upon and now become a business owner. But who made sure you went that direction instead of turn the other way? Well, you know, you will always assume you have a lot of friends. 
when you have some money or you have some possibilities, but at the end, they will abandon you quickly when you need their help, mm. uh, which my mother always told me, tell me who you hang with, I'll tell you who you are. So I go back to my parents. My parents set a good foundation. Now, <laughs> were they a little strict? Maybe a little too strict, but I get it now. I get it why they were, because they came here to sacrifice for us. So they set the good foundation. It just the seeds didn't sprout yet. But when, you know, she gave me that push into the beauty industry, the seeds started to sprout. I realized I had a gift. And the words of encouragement from the mentors who saw possibilities, there were people who saw things in me I did not see, and they kept telling me that. I just wouldn't listen because there were still so many trying to cut me down at the knees because it wasn't their dreams. It wasn't their outcome or life just sucks. They've been through, you know, hard times and, you know, you think people are going to help you. They don't want to help you. They want to destroy you. If you let them feed your mind, you will never make it to where you want to go. So I took the chance and trusted people. And if, if they were of ill thought, I just divorced myself from them. And went on to people who do, did truly care and didn't laugh at me, but took the time to teach me. Mm. So also you, you shared that you had some, um, you went to jail once. Yeah. Can you tell me about that phase in your life and kind of the addiction phase of your life and, and what ultimately helped you get through that? Okay, well, I'll back up a little bit. I did go to jail once. Don't carry a gun to the airport. They don't on that oh that's what it was really <laughs> yes oh, a loaded wow. 38 that i forgot in my bag uh i was a concealed license that scared me uh that that saved me shall i say got expunged but it wasn't fun spending time in jail for almost a full day and but i did get a bologna sandwich it wasn't bad uh <laughs> <laughs> and they actually just served bologna sandwich but let's back up a little bit mm -hmm. in my early 20s and 21 i've started to make some money that I never made before. Um, mm. You know, I I was doing very well. I think I made a hundred thousand within my first year. Wow. Uh, yeah, and and we're talking the eighties. That was a lot of money. That's a lot of money back then. Yeah, a lot of money back then. And I didn't know how to treat that money. Didn't know where to put it. Didn't know what to do with it. But I knew I could spend it. And when you making that type of money, uh, you get influencers in your life that lead you to what they need, not what you So, you know, they introduced me to many things like uh, cocaine was one of them because mm. uh, I had the money. I had the money for the limos. I had the money for the champagne. I had the friends and all of a sudden the candy would come out. Uh, and it was something in the beginning that really empowered me. You know, I was like, Superman, let's do this. Let's do that. Mm. I can go for three days straight without even sleeping, going to work and I always tell people I never cared for the drug too much. I just love the smell of it a lot. And, you know, they start cracking up later on because I can laugh about it now because I learned. And I, I think the good Lord put me through those experiences because I think he made me understand pain and suffering so that he had a better mission for me to help who are going through the same thing so they can relate, so I can speak to them. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, yes, I did get involved. I, it was empowering at the time, but to the point where I lost everything because it will take over your life. It will destroy you. Drugs don't end up being your savior. Uh, I lost my business. I lost my car. I lost 
everything. Can you um, tell me I, more about that? Like what happened to made you lose the business, the car, everything, if you can really go back to that? Well, you get to the point where you're going to spend, outspend your habit. Mm -hmm. um, and you're not going to pay your bills because you're too busy supporting your habit, your friends. Uh, and then eventually you don't show up to work. You're, you're too hungover or, you know, jonesing as we called it at the time that you couldn't focus on the business at hand. So clients started to leave because I didn't start to show up. Mm. Um, I was on binge time and uh, then I had to go recovery time. But while I was doing that, I wasn't making money. So I wasn't paying my bills for the salon. I wasn't paying my bills for my car. At that time, did you own a business? Did you own a salon business? Oh, yeah. yeah okay. I had my own. At 21, I had my own four-chair salon, nails, uh, scanning, you name it. Whatever, okay. whatever the beauty industry had to offer, I offered it because I was a go-getter. Uh, I didn't know I didn't know. Um, so I just did. You know, and that was the one thing good about not knowing is you would take chances and just do. But not knowing also can put me or put us in a spot where we can lose it just as fast as we got it. What is a habit? And forgive the directness of this question. That's that's oh, what I ahead. do here. But what does a habit like cocaine cost you? Like, do you remember what you were spending weekly on cocaine? Well, at the, you know, the price has gone down now. I'm so pissed. <laughs> it was so expensive when I was doing it because, you know, you start out with a half a gram, 50 bucks. That'll get you. Through. Then it went up to, because for a week. Up, uh, so no, 50 bucks. Oh, a day. So $50 a day. Yeah. Then okay. you work up to, because that's not enough. Yeah. I got friends. You got to share a little bit and you want to do more yourself. So it turned into a hundred dollars a day uh, for a gram. And that didn't do enough. So might as well get an eight ball, which is $350 um, a day. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then that didn't last enough. So you might as well go a half an ounce, then an ounce. And story, and it, and it went quick as people stole it from you. Let me have some, front me some, I'll give you some money later on. Um, because I could supply it. Meaning I didn't sell it. I just was, hey. The guy would pack a cigarettes and somebody would ask you for a cigarette and, you know, can I borrow a cigarette? That was the great line, right? You know, you don't borrow a cigarette. You smoke it and it's gone. Uh, you can't give it back. So, and as you know, when you give stuff, people don't expect it back. So if you were spending 350 a day on cocaine, that's almost $130,000 a year. Bingo. Wow. Yeah, that's a big problem. Okay. So and you, lost. you start getting greedy too. It's like, no, I ain't got no. You know, it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's not even counting how you continue to build on that. So, yeah, that's a real expensive habit, you know. Yeah, from, and uh, that's where you get yourself in debt, because if you're only making 100000 a year, think about it. You just mm -hmm. said 130 and you're buying more quantity on a IOU, which I had good credit with my suppliers. Uh, so I got into debt with them as well. And believe me, they're not like the credit card. They, they want their money. Oh, yeah. That's that's a whole nother kind of debt that we've that's, oh, never that's talked about on this show. That's for sure. OK, so that's a big deal. So what ultimately you lost? the Was that your kind of rock bottom financial moment, losing the business, losing the car? What else that, happened? That was one of them. One of them. OK. Yeah, because first of all, 
I didn't even know I owed taxes. I I didn't know about taxes. Mm. You know, and I went on a few years. I mean, eventually I did. Somebody educated me on that and I made up for that. Um, and then filed like I was supposed to. But you know, once again, now debt in taxes. So I was that tax stupid. I could have invested that money. Oh my God, if somebody would have took time with me, I've could have done so much more with even mm -hmm. just a little bit of it. Even if I just put a little bit of away, as you know, I don't have to tell you. Um, that just putting it in a Roth or a 401k or something today, and I'm 61 almost, uh, I would have had a pretty good pile of money. But oh, yeah. who knew? Who knew everything was a secret? But yeah, that was rock bottom. I mean, that was one of them. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I tripped a lot. I mm -hmm. failed a lot. But, you know, I used to get right back up and try to hurry up and, and, and fix. Uh, where now when I trip, I sit down, I think about how I tripped, how I fell, what I did, and how not to repeat it. That's the key to what failure brings you or tripping or falling is to sit down there for a while and say, what tripped me up? And how am I going to reapproach it so I don't trip again? Uh, so when I would get up and reapproach it, I was no stranger to restarting life, business, all sorts of things. Um, because life will always throw you a curveball. Uh, sometimes whack you at the knees and send you to your knees. But what I discovered in having great faith is being on your knees can make you stand a lot taller. So what happened? I mean, after you lost the business, after you lost the car, what was, how did you now, how did you ultimately now become a business owner with eight locations, 350 team members? a podcast, you know, doing pretty well. I mean, you know, being a business owner is not easy, you know, especially with COVID. So it's not like you're immune to challenges, but you have been able to, you also got sober. I know that that's, you know, very important to you as well. You have wonderful kids. You have, you have a, another child on the way, which congratulations. Oops, thank oh, you. Yeah. Am I not <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I was like, that was a, oops, you know, <laughs> what just happened, but that's great. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So be my first girl. That's so exciting. So what ultimately have you done to, and also, I mean, another thing that we didn't even highlight is you graduated not being able to read. I mean, you graduated high school, not being able to read, you built yourself into a trade, but now you have, you own essentially eight locations in a business. So what did you do to get there and how, how did you transform to get to where you are today? Well, first of all, I had to do uh, I had to divorce myself. Mm. You know, I didn't go to a rehab center. What I did is had to understand, do I want to keep facing pain or do I want some pleasure in my life? Mm -hmm. I'm done with the pain. I need to get rid of the pain. You know, no different than when you have a toothache, right? You're not going to live with it. You got to make a choice to get it fixed. So I got away from the pain. I you know, it, it still lives around me. It still lives all around the world, mm -hmm. but I have to make some choices. Do I want a few seconds of pleasure and a lifetime of pain? Or do I walk away with from it when it's in front of me and have a few seconds of pain from walking away and a lifetime of pleasure for not doing it? So I'd rather walk away. Um, but I don't give up easy. I know if I did it once, I could do it again. So I jumped back in the game. Many people I called up hung up on me. They were like, hey, I'm back to you. You 
you dogged me on my wedding day, you know? Right? So um, I heard a lot of people along the way, but it wasn't the end of the world. I know there were so many others I could serve and get redemption and so many others I can help. So I, it, it, it's, once again, it's you don't stop because you had a hiccup. Keep, get, get, keep going. Just keep going. And I did. I just picked up and did it like I started all over again. Got behind the chair, waited for one client, gave them the best experience. They told another, then they told another. And the reputation gets backed out. He's not that Julio he used to be. So some did come back, which is I'm grateful to them for. Uh, some people didn't abandon me. They still believed in me. But the new clients that are guests that came in, shall I say, um, said, hey, you, you know, the experience they got and the service they got, uh, which is really important. It's not about how great you can cut. It's how well and how great you can service others. If you give them enough, if you give them what they want, they'll give you what you want. So, you know, I made it a key point to serve others very, very well and to share my knowledge and my experiences, even as we talk about the drug days, which are in my book, because I have two books, you know, being dyslexic, which is not easy. I share my story for a reason is so that others know that it isn't the end game. So yes, you know, I picked right back up and it was slow. I tell today people want to live in a microwave. Now they want everything fast, but I tell them, do you imagine cooking a nice big roast in the microwave? It's not going to taste that good. It's going to be rubbery because you want it too quick and you're going to end up throwing it out. That's us. If we jump in a microwave, I say, hey, get back into the crock pot. It's going to take time to cook. But when it's cooked in that time, it's going to be tender. It's going to be juicy. It's going to be worth it. Um, and I've gone from the crock pot, that crock pot, back on the turtle. The ride on a turtle is very slow. But when you get there, it's worth the ride. And I say, I'm the little snail on the back of a turtle. I'm yelling, wee, as the turtle is walking, you know, because the ride is enjoyable. Some people will get there quick. They climb that ladder quick, but I've seen them fall just as quick because they wanted to jump in the microwave. Take your time getting there. It might take some time, but when you get there, you can sustain it. And if something else goes wrong, you learn from the discoveries you made and how to recoup and how to rebuild yourself. And, and hopefully it's not the same discovery. Now, if you make the same discovery over and over again, you know the result, right? Sanity. Um, so you, you change it up. And uh, you just keep moving forward. You don't look backward. Too many people say, well, I did this, I did that. And when I was young and I screwed up, I can't, you know, I can't get my life back together. No, that was yesterday. Today is now. And I can dream for tomorrow. I live in the moment. What do you think was your thoughts and how did you interact with money? And how do you interact with money today? I mean, based on what I'm hearing from you, it kind of seems like you didn't really think about it. For, no. for a while. Was that kind of where you were at in your early days? Yeah. Even after I, I, I fixed some of my discoveries, <laughs> I still didn't have knowledge of money. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was growing up, it was a big secret. Even though your parents did it, uh, people that were successful did it. Nobody wanted to share with you how they did it because they were afraid you were going to take it from them. So everything was a big secret. Even if somebody passed away in, their, in your life that you truly loved, you had to discover what they left behind. 
you know, was it money in the shoe? Was it a will? Was it, you know, whatever it was, bills? It was all a discovery. So, so nobody, but I did reflect back at my parents and say, how did they do it? They only, they worked in sweatshops. They made very little money, but they were able to buy a house. They were able to buy a car and pay it off um, because of the sacrifices that they made. They were able to save some should something happen to them because one of the beliefs of, of their culture was leave something to your children, whether it be a dollar or a thousand dollars or whatever. Now, they didn't have much to leave us. My dad passed away, but obviously my mom has it now, but it, it wasn't like this great fortune. It was enough to sustain her. But it wasn't until later on, probably in my 40s or 50s, shall I say, that I started to hear all these little things about 10% savings, tithing, you know, this. I've heard it before, but it, it didn't really resonate, you know, because I'm like, I got money. I can spend it. And the more money I make, I can buy more things. I can buy more things for the, for the business without thinking that I had to have some kind of money for a rainy day or some kind of money saved for the future. Um, so it wasn't till then that I had to work harder and ask more questions. And I'm still learning, trust me, I'm still asking questions about Roths, IRAs, even though I'm involved, um, it, you can always, it's never too late. Um, I just learned about me, you know, having a trust. I finally set up a trust. Um, and I, I thought that was just for rich people. And it's not just for rich people. It's for many people who have something to leave their family so that their family don't end up killing each other. You know, so yeah, money savvy. I wish you were around when I was younger because uh, you could have taught me quite a bit and sat me down. Instead, I had the wrong influencers who told me how to spend it because you always heard the expression, you got to spend money to make money. You got to look like a millionaire to be a millionaire. That's not true. Look at billionaires. Do they dress like billionaires? <laughs> no. It's so true. The whole fake it till you make it thing. I do think there's some merit, okay? Some merit to the fake it till you make it thing. A little bit, but not on the level of where people really, you know, like, you're so right. Billionaires, they always kind of look like slums. <laughs> a lot of billionaires. <laughs> not all of them. Not all of them. But yeah. Yeah. But some, you know. You don't want to flaunt it. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to be a target, but you start to understand where your values lay, mm -hmm. where, where you're, because, you know, I, I may retire at 65, but who's going to, and I might live till I'm 85, 95. Who's going to pay me in those years? Got to pay myself. Mm -hmm. There's no paycheck coming in and, and social security is surely not going to give me enough. Yeah. Um, and who knows if it'll even be there in the future for our future. Right. So that's why I'm so adamant with the, with the youth and, and whatever age you are to start something now, even if you're my age at 60, mm -hmm. you want to start something now so you don't have to be bagging groceries and, you know, you can hardly stand, but yet you have to work because you have to survive. And, and I, I see people bagging my groceries at the supermarket who are in their 70s. They can barely stand and they're like, you want me to carry your bags to your car? I'm like, no, let me carry you to your car. Yeah, you know, I'm like, I, I feel know. so sad for you. Well, I just had one. I was at the grocery store and I thought the same thing because I remembered when we were chatting. It's like maybe they're doing it for fun or social contact. But I had this woman that I mean, this poor woman, she could barely move her and she was so old. I'm like, oh, 
it just I I hope she was doing that for social contact and not because she needed there are very to few yeah. that do it just to keep themselves going yeah. they don't need it yeah but there are so many you even see hairdressers in our industry that at 70 or 80 are still behind the chair not because they want to be because they have to be yeah um, in order to eat that week yeah it's, oh that makes me makes me so sad so what do you think you mentioned you really started actually i want to go back because you had debt for drugs i mean and, I, and i'm putting it really bluntly because i think what your story can do is really say there's really nothing that you can't recover from you know what i mean and i think mm. that's what you have such an inspiring story debt and overspending in drugs and then also debt to the irs which happens actually a lot for people who start businesses because if they get income coming in and then they just forget that taxes are a lot bigger for businesses than than personal and so do you remember how much you ended up owing back in the day? A lot. I can't give you a number, but I just know that I didn't focus on the total number because I didn't know that I should quantify that yeah. total number. But what I did know is this person was going to get paid. This credit card was going to get paid. This bank was going to get paid. These old light bills were going to get paid. So I spread the love and I started with the, what somebody taught me to start with the higher interest rate payments. Mm -hmm. So I did that, got that out of the way because that was costing me much more. If you'd make minimum payments, even on a $1,000, $2,000 credit card, just the minimum payments, you're going to pay 20, 30,000 after interest. So right. why get it out of the way? So I took the higher interest and then I fed a little here and there to keep people happy. It took me almost 10 years wow. to recover, even to get my credit back. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know, someday today, some people go bankrupt and, and they get bankrupt and they get to start all over again with a fresh, clean slate. When I was growing up, your credit went bad and it still holds true today. Mm -hmm. Most people will not give it to you bankrupt or not. And you're starting with a slate. But it took me about 10 years to really pay back everything that I had to. And that meant that every weekend I didn't have the money in my pocket. But that was a sacrifice and a commitment I was willing to stick to in order to better myself. Mm, wow. So it sounds like you also had to kind of go through this balancing act of of taking care of bills and paying it back and kind of, you know, ultimate cash flow management. But is there a moment because it sounds like, you know, I'm also always really fascinated by the addiction element in financial journeys, right? Because that adds a whole other complexity to your story of of two things that you're trying to to really change, right? get your finances in order, but also recover from an addiction. And so um, is there a moment that you think of really specifically to financially? Because it sounds like you really made that commitment. You're like, I'm in this, I'm recovering, I'm going to be better. Do you recall the moment where you're like, I am changing the way I interact with money? Yeah, it, it was a slow process. But after that journey of seeing that I was in debt and I owed, I didn't want you don't sleep comfortably mm -hmm. your mind's always working your heart's always hardened uh your mind is always filled so i wanted some peace mm. in my life and not have to sit there and think i gotta pay and pay that person so it was a slow process of of money management because nobody again told me how to money manage i was just doing what i could to survive 
um, you know, and make it. So, but it was right after I was done with that and having nothing that I promised myself that you will have something. You don't have to be a pig. You don't have to be a hog, but you want a good quality of life. You want to be able to pay your bills. You want to be able to maybe take a vacation and have that money. You want to be able to retire when you can. Um, but I couldn't even think of retirement because I didn't know about that, you know, where to put that. Uh, I wish I bought you know, a couple of little stocks back then. <laughs> yeah, today, right. If you invested just a little bit, you would have been a multimillionaire. But who knew? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so, you know, it was just basically a slow process. But I knew that because addiction isn't just drugs. Addiction mm -hmm. is food. You know, a lot of people, I can't tell you what they spent on food. A lot of people, some people shopping. Just to shop, they will put themselves in serious debt just so they can shop and make themselves feel better, not that they need the product. So addiction comes in many forms. But you have to understand that you can still enjoy a little piece of life and get some things that you want, but you also want to be careful for later on so you can continue to get those little you know, perks of life that you want because you're diligent enough and smart enough to get some financial education, able to put that aside for you. Mm -hmm. and your family. So what would you say if you were really looking back on your own life and you could give yourself one piece of advice as it relates to money, what would it be? Get educated. Get educated. Get educated. You know what? You're making this money. Sitting in a bank account does nothing for you. Mm -hmm. So get a good financial advisor. I wish I could go back, get a good financial advisor, somebody who was successful with their money, you're not giving it to them. They're giving you advice um, as to how to prepare yourself, how to pay estimated tax, how to prepare for the future. And I wish I could sit down who somebody would have done a, a balance sheet or a spreadsheet or something to say, here's what you make. Here's what you can have these bills, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do for your savings. This is maybe what you need for tithing. And here's what you got left over to have some fun. Blow it any way you want, mm -hmm. except for drugs. Um, <laughs> but, you know, take it. Then I, I say that to people now. It's like after you figure out what your monthly expenses are, somebody would have taught me that. And, you know, all these other things for your savings or a rainy day or retirement then you get this little pocket that you have left over now go crazy go on amazon get what you got to get because that's your free money but some people will get paid on friday they're broke by saturday night they go cash the check rather than say this is the only amount of money i can carry in my pocket because i can only afford a hundred dollars out of my paycheck or fifty dollars or twenty five dollars to have fun with but what they do is they cash the whole check and figure out, I won't spend it all. I won't spend it all. And boom, by Saturday night or by Sunday morning, you're broke. And now you live week for week. And now you're looking for a second job because you can't keep up with your debt of your first job. Mm. Because you're always in debt. So are you really relaxing? Are you really enjoying life? You think you got the money you're enjoying life but you're not because of the rest of the suffering. It really is that pleasure versus pain type thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's it it's so true. It's real hard to have peace and be relaxed when you have that kind of financial pressure. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you know, it's painful too to say, I don't really have money, but I'm going to start saving $10 a week, you know, or, or 25. Cause let's face it. If it's in your pocket, you're going to spend it on, on silly things. But if you, if you just have it automatically taken out and you forget about it, even if it's that small amount, you won't miss it. Cause you'll learn how to live with what you have, but it'll make a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Last question. What changed about your life when you changed the way you interacted with money? Peace of mind, <laughs> happiness. I can focus on the moment. I can focus on people in front of me. I can focus on the pleasures of life. You know, there's so many great things when you don't have that burden. Uh, and let's face it, people say money isn't everything. And it's true. I know millionaires who are not happy. Mm -hmm. But I know millionaires who are broke. And I know people who are not millionaires that are extremely happy. They take care of what they have to do. They make, you know, I know people that make minimum wage that are doing better than millionaires. You know, mm -hmm. let's, let's face it, because they know how to you know, take that money and do what they have to and be diligent with it. So, yeah, you see life, you know, you can smell the fresh air. You can see the flowers. You can enjoy the company because your mind is not preoccupied while you're spending great moments with others or by yourself and you know what you owe and how bad your life is and you can say i'm paid up i owe no one i can enjoy this moment because it's not preoccupied same thing you know when you're fighting with somebody you're always too preoccupied with what you're going to say how you're going to say it, so you're not in the moment but when you could free yourself from that pain there is a light that just shines it's just brilliant because you can see better. You're not in a mental jail, free. Man, that's inspiring. I think everybody wants to live like that, right? So yeah. Julio, thank you so much. And I, I just wanna say thank you for your transparency. I think that is my mm -hmm. goal of bringing people on this show is to really say no matter where you're at and no matter how bad or great you think your situation is, you can always improve it and there's always time to change and change is possible. So uh, just thank you. Thank you for being so honest and transparent. My You're pleasure. a really my inspiring pleasure. guy. And I've, I've loved both of my interactions with you. And <laughs> I would definitely encourage you to check out the Julio show. Uh, you can get it on any podcast. And what are your books called? Because I'll also put those in the show notes. One is called A Slap on the Back of the Head. Okay. And that was the Journey Through Life bio of you know, the insecurities of the drug addiction, the coma, you know, you go on and on of all the, the, the surgeries and how I overcame so many obstacles in life to where I am today. And yes, today I own eight schools, but it used to be 15. I had to free myself of some because I had to understand that I couldn't give it the attention it needed. Mm. Uh, and there was other people who can manage that better. Uh, sometimes we get too inspired. <laughs> so wait, 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 I have to ask. We didn't even talk about the coma. Can you tell me that? Uh, what yeah. happened at the coma? Well, here life is going beautiful. I recovered, you know, I'm doing great. I opened up a bigger spa, you know, had a, a lot of people working for me. Um, I was ready for my second location. I go in the hospital for uh, a simple, you know, in and out surgery of a devi deviated septum. Mm. Uh, but little did I know I would be waking up out of a coma three months later, still on life support, uh, passed away three times. 
Uh, they revived me. They thought for sure I would probably be brain damaged because of all the oxygen that I lost. Um, my mother said he already was. Leave the ventilator alone. Uh, so when I woke up, there was a lot of challenges with using my hands, my legs. You know, I left the hospital after six months, an oxygen tank and uh, full of medications in a wheelchair. And they were like, good luck to you. We don't know where you're going to go from here. We don't even know if, what abilities you will get back because they had no idea. They didn't know what, how much brain damage was caused from the lack of oxygen. I guess I'm not a good listener because uh, I, I, you know, like I said, it took years. But it, it, to this day, after those three years, I, because of that medications, I had six heart surgeries. Uh, I, I had a, and everyone that tried to knock me down, I got back up. You know, and just charge. Yeah, yeah. Do I still have a lot of things? Yeah. Do I still have a lot of things to work on, uh, health wise? Yeah. But I make it to the gym every day. I do create that wellness. Today I'm running. I'm walking. I'm talking. Uh, I don't need an oxygen tank uh, because it's the will to want, the will to live. Because I have a lot to live for. I have great boys. I have a great wife now. I have a new child on the way. Uh, I have some. I guess I still have some work to do that he's not ready for me yet. So when he wow. is, he'll come get me. So yeah, they, you know, we can go on, but most people, you know, I look at wounded warriors, you know, and when I don't feel like going to the gym, a commercial will come on and here's somebody putting on their legs and their arms and they're going running. And I'm like, okay, what's my dang excuse? You know, they still have a will to continue, but yet they have no arms, no legs, and they're putting on their perspective prosthetics how do you say that prosthetics, prosthetics yeah. yeah prosthetics and 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 they're still living the life that was given to them and still continue to give to them and no not everything is easy it's going to be hard work but that coma did not uh stop me when it should have what just, happened with that surgery they just never complication knew. they never, they never know. knew my lungs wow. filled up i drowned uh, they had a hard time reincubating me. That's why they thought, you know, I foamed, I, you know, flatlined several times. But, um, you know, it took a lot for them to get me back. Yeah. So well, I'm glad you're here, Julio. Well, thanks. I'm glad I'm here too. <laughs> yeah, wow. my life is interesting. Some people want to hear it. They're like, come on, you got to be lying. I'm like, I'm not. Because they look at you and they think, come on you know shoot i was 300 pounds on all that medication you know my stomach stopped working i had to get my stomach replaced because of the diabetes of that medication so once again life was not easy but life is not over until he comes to call me mm. then i'm ready wow i mean nothing in closing to that so <laughs> if anyone i mean julio you're so inspiring thank you change is always possible a uh, lot of life to live, no matter where you're at in your financial and life journey. And um, thank you so much. So you have slap on the head or slap on the back? Sorry. Slap on the back of the head and okay. unwrapping your gift. And unwrapping your gift. Okay. So I'll put links to those in the show notes so you can check those out if you're curious, as well as the link to the Julio Show podcast. So, oh, Julio, it's always thank you. Thank always you. a pleasure. We will talk very soon. And with that, thanks so much for listening to Money O2.